This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness, Guernsey's new state-of-the-art gym, purpose-built for gym goers by gym lovers. Head to upgrade.fitness to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly insight into Ireland sport brought to you in association with Upgrade Fitness. My name is Tony Kerr and with me this week, as ever, uh, is Guernsey Press Sports Editor Gareth the Prevo. Hi Tony. How's it all going? Not too bad, and yourself? Yeah, good, good. good. Busy times, aren't they? Lots going on. Yeah. Lots going on. Lots to get into this week as well, actually. Uh, well, we had a, a busy weekend of sport to look back on. And we've got a bumper interview for you this week um, with someone uh, who was very much a star of uh, local golf before she uh, left these shores um, to head to the US, where um, her talent and determination has um, taken her to um, an amazing place recently. She's been appointed as the head coach, uh, head women's coach at Cincinnati University, Amy Pont, um, who we uh, know well from her time and her successes in the island. Um, yeah, doing very well. So we'll play that interview shortly, Gareth and I. I've been chatting to her. A really fascinating chat it was with her. Some great memories. Um, Gareth, let's start with what's been happening um, closer to home, though, at the weekend. Um, you were down at Foots Lane on Sunday. Well, we were down at Foots Lane both days, to be fair. Foots Lane was a place to be this yeah. weekend, yeah. Um, we'll talk about the rugby in a minute, but let's start with the hockey. But let's start with hockey, um, which happened on Sunday. We previewed it last week. Guernsey's men taking on Hampton and Arden um, in the EH Tier 2 Championships, their opening round match. Um, the coaches mentioned penalty shuffles. In fact, I think you mentioned penalty shuffles, and, and so they came to pass. Yeah, I think I sort of uh, attempted fate with that yeah. one. Um, but uh, fortunately, as it turned out, we proved to be very, very good at penalty shuffles. It was uh, an outstanding performance What it, once it got to that stage. I think Guernsey were pretty disappointed that the game actually did get to that stage. I mean, fair play to Hampton. They came over and they put, they put up a really good show. And it's two quite contrasting styles, but... I, I'm, I'm, I am probably a bit biased in this, but I thought Guernsey deserved to win in the 70 minutes. They didn't quite manage it. It was three all at the, uh, at the uh, full-time whistle. And so it went to the sort of the dreaded shuffles. And um, fortunately, Guernsey came out on top 4-1. But uh, no, it was a really entertaining game. Um, it sort of ebbed and flowed. Guernsey got off to an absolute flyer. They were brilliant for the first sort of five, six minutes. And you wondered if Hampton were ever, ever going to get a touch of the ball. They were that sort of dominant. And then, um, yeah, they took the lead. Matt Stokes with a brilliant drag flick into the top corner. And then they just sort of, they'd lost their way a bit after that. I think, I, I don't know whether it was a complacency thing, just sort of thinking this could be, a, we could sort of do this in cruise control sort of thing. But Hampton then, yeah, they 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 came out and they um, they found a way of sort of breaking on Guernsey, counter-attacking really quickly. And it just ebbed and flowed after that. It sort of went one all. Stokes then scored again, 2-1. Um, Hampton then scored twice before the interval, so they were three-two up at half time, and uh, a really nice goal from Zach Damrell brought Guernsey level. And yeah, like I say, I think last certainly last quarter of the game, Guernsey were the more likely side to get a winner or even perhaps a couple of goals. And uh, the Hampton goalkeeper had a really good um, game and it finished very strongly, making several good saves to take it down to that penalty shuffles. And it was the uh, young goalkeeper in the Guernsey goal who um, yeah, got us off to a good start. Yeah, Tom Judd. Um, Guernsey have got a propensity to... Um, or Guernsey has got a real history of producing some outstanding goalkeepers and Tom Judd is sort of no different. He's, uh, he's a bit uh, unorthodox, but um, he made a couple of brilliant saves. I mean, the first one in the shuffles was... Um, 
perhaps what you might call regulation. Um, for those who don't know, shuffles is when the attacker starts on the 23-metre line with the ball and you're up against a goalkeeper who starts on his goal line or their goal line and uh, they have eight seconds in which to to score a goal or, or, or not, as it, so to speak. And um, the first save he made was a very good one. The second one was just outstanding. How he, how he reached it, with his, it was with a stick and how he reached it, I don't quite know, but it was a brilliant save. Um, all the while, Guernsey was scoring theirs with with sort of li- little difficulty. Sam Dawes, George Larue, Tom Cashin, and Josh Kendall were the four to score, and they all made it look very easy. When you know, under that sort of pressure, it certainly isn't. But they show great composure to to uh, score there for. Yeah, it's really good stuff, isn't it? Because uh, Guernsey hockey really sort of pins its season on um, on the island side, succeeding in the cups and and carrying them towards the interinsular uh, in sort of March, April. Um, talking about the penalty shuffles and that eight second time limit, it makes for, uh, well, it's a really harsh job on the uh, the umpire, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I just want a, a special word for for Richard Vayard, who um, he was like the table official for the, for the actual 70 minutes of the match. But it's his then, it was then his job to time the eight second and um, if you're doing it sort of like to the letter of the law, as they do, he wasn't allowed to watch the, the shuffles. He, he he literally had his back to goal while looking at his stopwatch. He blows the whistle, the, the action then commences, and you've got hundreds of people all watching this, the action go on and getting really excited what's going on. And poor Richard Vale's got his back to it all. And, it's sort of, and then it's sort of like he could probably tell by the cheers that were going on if Guernsey had scored or if Tom Judd had made a save. But he then, he then wait a couple of beats and he blows for the eight seconds to have finished. So, um, yeah, it's a really, it's a hard task to do. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that. It's probably the worst job in sports officiating. That. I'm probably looking forward to your match report then in today's <laughs> paper to find out what happened. Yeah, he, um, he, he was... Uh, very, very busy in doing that, but yeah, it's just uh, just the unfortunate nature of the the beast that he didn't get to see any of it. Yeah, Guernsey's men into the hat for the next round. Um, let's hear what uh, their captain, uh, Johnny Clark, had to say to you at the full time. Well, congratulations on getting through, Johnny. Um, very dramatic way to get through, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's one for the crowd, isn't it? Wow, that was um, that was some uh, some last ten minutes of that game, and then. And it's great to see some of the youngsters step up and uh, with such confidence and finish the game like that on those shuttles. Brilliant. Do you yeah. practice the shuttles? Um, we've had a, we've had a couple of practices, but nothing sort of that formal. So it was a bit of an unknown uh, unknown quantity really. And then when you when you got a keeper like Juddy, who uh, who had a fantastic game all game anyway, and they finished off like that. Brilliant. Yeah. Can't... yeah. And the general assessment of the performance overall over the seventy minutes. We were a bit well. We had a cracking first five minutes. I mean, that was that's the way we wanted to play our hockey. Um, and then we sort of started playing towards their style of hockey, uh, getting caught on the break. And it took us a while to kind of get uh, and kind of get to used to the way that the way they play. It's very, very um, aggressive, very direct. Um, but I think in the second half we started to clock out, clock how to play. Um, started to understand how we're going to play against that tactically and uh, and in the final 10 minutes we were all over them and deserved much more Yeah, I was going to say you must have felt like you, over the 70 you'd probably done enough to actually win in, in regulation time yeah absolutely I mean they're keeping made I think three or four really important saves yeah. in the last 10 minutes we deserve more yeah. yeah looking forward to the next round now that's the big thing about this competition you need to keep going to get these games in absolutely this is this is our season you know this is why it's so important to us it's so important to Guernsey Hockey that we keep keep making it and keep making the rounds keep making a cup wrong run um, and um, so it means everything to us so yeah we can't wait Johnny Clark speaking to there Gareth um, the island's women's side in action at home um, next month so a few more weeks to go uh, preparation wise for them but we've got another island side in action this weekend on home soil Gareth the over 35s women 
Yeah, the um, it's the first time our, our women have entered the the Masters competition, and we'll we'll have a good side in that. And they're uh, hosting Teddington on Sunday afternoon at Foots Lane at two uh, fifteen. So that should be a, another good game, and um, I imagine another big crowd down at the the hockey club. Yeah, best of luck to them. Let's go back to Saturday, and just across the way um, on the uh, the main pitch in front of the grandstand, um, where we had a couple of uh, rugby matches on. We didn't get the triple header in the end. St Jack's game was moved and then postponed. Um, they do tend to get messed around a bit, don't they? It's, uh, unfortunately but I think they enjoyed their afternoon on the beers nonetheless um, I'm sure they did uh, but we did get two matches on the main pitch didn't we um, the women were in action and then uh, Guernsey Raiders men against Barnes and that was a very good tussle albeit one uh, which Guernsey didn't come out the right side of it was one I was very grateful to have a roof over my head yeah. Tony in the Garen Sangs it was awful conditions it was a horrible day but um, yeah it was uh, as Jordan Reynolds warned sort of beforehand it was going to likely to be a game for the purists and it sort of turned into that but it was a, it was just a cracking contest it was real sort of uh, hard-fought tussle and really sort of hard to call for much of the game. But as it turned out, um, the two sim binnings that Guernsey had during the game probably proved decisive because during those 20 minutes when they were down to 14, Barnes scored 20 of their 28 points. They ended up winning 28-11. And um, yeah, so it sort of ill-discipline, I suppose, proved costly for Guernsey, but they can be very proud of their efforts. Their defence was excellent for, for the vast majority of the game. Um, and they probably finished the stronger of the two sides and they, they deserved their try, that which came through Dan Barnes. Um, they probably deserved more than that. It would, have, it would have been sort of fair if they'd earned a bonus point in some shape or form. Unfortunately, it wasn't the case, but um, yeah, it was a good performance from Guernsey. Uh, but yeah, Barnes, I mean... Well, they're 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 where they are on the table for a reason, aren't they? So well, yeah, it's it always going to be tough. Yeah, for sure. It was one of those as um, as I was saying to the guys in the crowd. So for the first half hour, you really wouldn't have been able to tell who who was the promotion chasing side out the two of them. But when the chances came their way, they were very, very clinical barns. And that's sort of why they're, they're looking um, very good this year. They've only lost one game and that was to the league leaders, Dorking, and that was by a couple of points. So um, they were always likely to be very tough opposition. Um, yeah, Guernsey did feel a bit frustrated with uh, sort of a few of the decisions that... Well, it's, I think it's more the fact... Um, it was a very difficult day to referee with those conditions. I mean, it, it's never easy anyway at that level. But um, the fact that sort of on such an even game, they probably felt that what they were being penalised for could have gone either way. And Barnes, as it turned out, did get two yellow cards themselves. But when they were within the last sort of six or seven minutes of the game and Guernsey were already 22 points behind at that point, you could, you, you're you not going to make it up in that time. So... Um, it was sort of understandable, but um, yeah, I think they can take a lot of positives away from their performance anyway. Yep, they're back on the road on Saturday away at Westcombe Park, um, the side, I think, directly below them in the table. Um, and then it's Canterbury at Footslane next up at home on Saturday, the 18th of November, a three o'clock kickoff that one. Another side, Canterbury, um, sort of in that mid-table um, standing at the moment. So um, yeah, two good uh, clashes in store there, I'm sure, and, and hopefully two wins for Guernsey Raiders. What are you going to be sort of looking to work on now ahead of the next game? Now that you've now that you've played the two top teams in in a row, I mean it's, it's probably nice to get away from that. Yeah, I just think we need a little bit more detail in our kicking game. I just thought we, we kicked under pressure a little bit that, uh, at times today and just weren't accurate enough. If you look at our kicking in the first half, every every time we kicked it went straight to their hands. We didn't find grass at all. When they kicked, they were hitting us with two man tackles or they're finding a bit of grass. So just a little bit of detail through there would be great. And we'll have to see how the weather is, but we'll have to also look at our uh, driving more because uh, we didn't get much advantage for that today. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll probably look forward to a game with not that much wind and rain. Yeah, well, you know, pretty standard, but it was a hell of a contest. And I, I mean, no doubt it was probably boring for some people to watch it to and fro, but 
Um, there's not going to be a sore body out there for sure. These boys are pretty tired. Jordan Reynolds there on uh, Raiders Focus going into the next match. Um, of course, we'll have uh, yeah plenty of coverage in the paper um, as their season continues. Welcome back. Uh, thanks once again to Upgrade Fitness for their support of the show. Um, we're with you uh, every midweek, uh, rounding up uh, well as much as we can from Ireland Sports and uh, speaking to um, the people who make uh, Guernsey Sport tick. Uh, now, as we teased at the top, we've got a quite lengthy interview um, for you now uh, with yeah, former star of Guernsey Golf, now someone who's um, doing very well on the coaching side um, in the US. That's uh, Amy Pond. Gareth, it was great to catch up with her and it's fantastic to see her doing so well. Um, for listeners who don't know about Amy, just give us a bit of a, uh, you know, give us a, a sort of potted biography of, of <laughs> what, I guess, how well she did when she was in Guernsey and then what she's been doing since she left. Yeah, she was a real child prodigy in, in Guernsey golf terms, but sort of mentored by our, our greatest ever golfer, really, in, in Bob Diego, and um, she actually won the Ireland women's title um, for the first time at the age of just 13 years old. Um, it, it was uh, an amazing performance that sort of hit the headlines. And I think in every Ireland women's championship she entered, she reached the final every time. She lost one final to Jan Chamberlain. That was a, a real close uh, nip and tuck game, I think, which went to extra holes at uh, Le Grand Mar. And then uh, Amy won the next five finals. Um, she also was part of our gold medal winning team in Bermuda Island Games. She won Island Games individual gold in Jersey in 2015, by which point she'd already um, started her college career in America. She she went off to the University of Texas in San Antonio in 2013, I believe, did four years there and um, moved from that into coaching. And uh, yeah, she's she's risen up through those ranks very quickly. It's, it's amazing to think sort of we're chatting to someone Who's, who's only just 27 years old and what she's achieved in golf is absolutely phenomenal, really. Yeah, it is awesome to see. Um, it's awesome to see someone um, taking their sport on and, and you know, excelling in coaching elsewhere as well, not least in, uh, obviously, what, what is a, an incredibly um, prestigious setup of, of college sport in America. And um, yeah, by all accounts, um, Cincinnati, which is where she's at now, uh, takes their golf very seriously. So um, uh, yeah, what a fantastic place for her to be, to be based. And yeah, it was really lovely to hear about uh, what she's doing over there what her life is like over there now and also um to talk about some of the memories she's got from uh, from playing golf uh, here in the channel islands which um from uh, how she describes them clearly uh, kind of as vivid as they uh, ever were in her mind and obviously so important to her uh, yeah her sort of golf development and her, her formative years so yeah it was really great to catch up with uh, amy uh, here's that chat with me and gareth it's been a crazy kind of 10, 11 years, um, played college golf in San Antonio for UTSA and had a great time and had a, had a decent career, but I knew I didn't, I didn't kind of, when I got to the end of my, my playing career, I, I, my heart was kind of calling me in a different direction and I knew I wanted to coach in some form. Um, then I went down the assistant pro route. Uh, working at a country club for almost three years and that definitely was not my calling either um, but with coaching it's tough you kind of have to be in the right place right time you know we don't get into coaching for the money and unless you're at a big school you know you don't really get paid what you deserve anyway um, so I kind of was in the right place at the right time and I took I took the assistant coaching job at a smaller school in San Antonio um, and I was you know not being paid anything um but i knew i wanted to get my foot in the door so i was kind of teaching golf full-time 
um, and going to practice and being with the girls at tournaments and then um, did that for almost two years and that was all during COVID so it was a crazy it was a crazy time anyway and that wasn't really typical for for coaching um, and then you know two weeks before kind of school started in 21 um, the head coach left she took another job um, in the coaching world and and uh, you know my administration kind of looked at me and they were like do you want to step in and be interim head coach I was like yeah sure why not <laughs> this is what I've been waiting for the last couple of years anyway so um I did that and it all kind of just you know transpired from there I mean we had um that first year we had a record-breaking year um we didn't have many resources at this school and we were kind of dominating for a, for a while and and it was it was two of the best years I've I've ever had um playing wise um and coaching I mean the the experience was unbelievable and I and I wasn't ready to leave yet um you know we were underdogs and and we wanted to accomplish things that were the unthinkable at that school and um and then Cincinnati came calling this summer I was on holiday in New York and I, I try to not check my emails when I'm on holiday and I just so happened I was on the subway and I I uh, I looked at my emails and and I wasn't applying for jobs. I was happy in San Antonio and um, you know I kind of I've always said that I've wanted to leave San Antonio, but when I leave and come back, it's like oh this is this is my place, you know. And um, I took the interview just for experience. I really didn't think anything of it. I'd never had kind of a interview of this magnitude and did the interview and I thought it went okay. It was, it was quite brief. It was, it was, um, it was interesting. They were kind of just, they already did their homework and they kind of knew all these things about me, which I thought was odd. Um, and so then they, they got me here on campus and, and I came for a visit and it was, uh, it was one of those things that professionally for me, it was a, it was a no brainer. Um, just kind of coming where I was where I was from um smaller school with not many resources and then you kind of take a step on this campus and it's a whole nother world um so yeah and here I am now in Cincinnati Ohio been here for since the end of July had the job since the end of June um and it's been it's been wild adjusting you know I'm so you I've only ever lived in Guernsey and in Texas and so living in a different state and moving cross-country um, was definitely uh, an interesting experience, but uh, but I'm here now, so it's been it's been fun. It's been um, like I said, an adjustment. People, the president in Guernsey or the UK, you know, when you think of college sport, you think of uh, American football, basketball. You know how big that is. Um, just set the scene for for golf at a college level in the US. I mean, what does it look like, and, and how seriously do the do the schools take it? Yeah, so it, they take it really seriously. So. I guess essentially college sports is like broken up into conferences, right? And so you have like the conferences near the bottom and all that means is really resources, salary, um, you know, facilities, uh, budgets that teams have. Um, and then kind of as you move up, as the schools get bigger, um, you know, there's just more money poured into it. So essentially there's there's five conferences in the U.S. college system that basically control all of college sports, and they're called the Power Five conferences. And so, a school that I just moved to right now is in 
one of those conferences. So it's kind of at the the top end of college sports in the sense of like resources, facilities, um, just kind of the access that these kids have, you know, ability wise, like it's kind of hard to explain because like, you know, even like take my old school, for example, like we, we were at one of the worst conferences in the country, essentially, you know, for all those categories. And then, um, but our golf team, we were good. We were, we were competing with these power five schools. We were like top 70 in the country. Um, you know, and, and then when you come to a big school, just because we have the resources doesn't mean the golf team automatically is, is amazing. and doesn't mean the baseball team is automatically amazing. Um, you know, they, they do these coaching changes for a reason, you know, to kind of build a program. Um, and so, you know, but if you, if you look at what my old team used to get, we used to get the bare essentials, you know, polos, shorts you know enough to compete with and they were fine with it and they that's what they knew and and it was and we made it work and um you know and now here it's like you know they get everything you could possibly think about you know and and um all the gear that and it's even new for me that i'm like do we really need that (laughs) and we have more money and and we can afford it and um but i mean essentially football and basketball that's what you know, drives all of college sports. Those are the money-making sports. Golf necessarily isn't just because, you know, they don't charge to go watch golf tournaments and et cetera. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's being a part of an institution like this where they are so like all about athletics. They're all about athletics and they, they want the best coaches in the country. They want all the best team. They want every team to be, you know, top 20 in the country. Um, you know, and, and Cincinnati's just moved conference. They were in a conference below, which is like the ones just below the power five. So they still have a lot of resources and stuff like that, and which is now what UTSA just moved into because um, UTSA is growing. Um, but, you know, now Cincinnati's gone the step up and has gone to the Big 12, which is, you know, one of the power five conferences. So now they're building, you know, two extra buildings that are going to be ready in a year that are, about 300 million total just to just to be at the level of what these other big 12 schools have you know just specific build like the building that I'm in right now is the athletics building it's eight stories high all the coaches are housed in here the student athletes eat in here their weight rooms are down at the bottom um our equipment room is down at the bottom which is it's we have more than one weight room, which is wild. You know, most schools don't. They just have one weight room and that's where, you know, all the student athletes work out. We have like three or four um, and like specific teams work out in different gyms. Um, it, it, it's a whole nother ball game here that I'm still adjusting to just because even when I was at UTSA, it doesn't even compare um, to just the facilities and the resources that these kids now have. Um, can you just sort of outline your your duties? I mean, like you said, you, you sort of did the assistant pro in a country club for a couple of years, figured out that wasn't really for you. You're mm. now sort of described as a coach, but I mean, what are your sort of duties almost week to week? I, I joke and I say I'm like a glorified bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> like I do everything for these kids. Like I I plan practice, I book our trips, I order our uniform, um, 
I'm like their friend, you know, I just had a, a one of my players text me earlier, you know, like 20 minutes before we hopped on this call. Hey, can I come to your office? Can we chat about something? Um, you know, I'm like their friend, their coach, their parent at times. Um, I, I do everything. I mean, it's uh, even though I have people that, um, you know, can do things for me, um, I like to kind of do it in my specific way um and it's you know like from booking trips like i have to organize like everything the hotel the rental van um you know all the little things like that it's a lot of paperwork that people don't realize people just think that um my job is you know nine months out of the school year and then i don't really do anything for three months but in those three months i'm recruiting so like i'm recruiting now because i'm new to the program i'm i'm building the program i'm recruiting now i've done i'm finished with 24 the kids coming in 2024 i'm, I'm working on 2025 players now to come join my team and then in a couple months i'll start looking at 2026 so everything's always like a couple years ahead wow so like all of our trips have already and now i'm planning our schedule for next year even though we're still in this year um everything's always kind of like a year in advance um, you know, so I do all the financial stuff like, and the, and if you should see my desk right now, it's full of receipts, it's full of receipts. Cause when we go to a trip, I, when I come back, I've got to reconcile all the receipts and stuff. So, um, I would say my job is probably 30% coaching, like actual coaching. And then the rest 70% is, you know, interacting with donors and playing golf with donors, you know, people that support our program right. and fund our program. Um, you know, I do a lot of that. I, I spend a lot of time with, with people that care about golf and want to donate, um, you know, and, and especially in the off season, like we've got one event left. And so November, um, I'll probably be on a couple of recruiting trips, uh, South Carolina and Florida, um, and then play a lot of golf with donors just because I don't have time during the school year because we're at practice every day and we, we travel virtually every week. Um, uh, and I mean, what, it's, oh, it's very different. No, go ahead, Tony. I was going to say, what kind of shape is your game in these days? Oh, it's uh, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. <laughs> I, I actually played with my team last Saturday um or was it two saturdays ago and i you know i'm i'm all talk no action so I, I <laughs> real, real hard and i'm like you're not gonna beat me you're not gonna beat me um you know and it's not pretty but i'm a competitor you know i'm still i'm very very competitive and the my favorite part about coaching is that i get to feel all the same feelings when i'm out there on the golf course with them i just don't have to hold the three footer for par it's the it's the best case scenario. I just don't have to hit the six iron over the water, you know, to a tucked pin. I can coach that, but I just don't have I don't have to hit the shot now. So it's best case scenario for me, honestly. But my game is is uh, it's a bit uh, rusty. <laughs> I can still get it in the hole though, but it just doesn't look very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> What sort of were well, you talking about? The sort of the trips you have to organise, Amy, and whatever. What sort of like the furthest distances you're travelling with your team these days? Uh, it depends. I mean, we're we're kind of in the Midwest. I mean, we'll go like our schedule this year. We'll go um, like we're going to Mississippi next week. Um, we've just been to Kansas. 
We were just down in Florida. And we'll go to Puerto Rico next February, which will be really cool. Um, but we kind of travel wherever. I mean, now a lot of college golf tournaments, um, you know, it's not, you don't, you don't necessarily go to where is like the coolest location. Like I'm trying to get into the best events that, that my players can play in. And so sometimes they're in little college towns. Like we've just played in Kansas State's tournament. They're a great program, very, very big school. Um, and they're in a really small little college town in the middle of Kansas. You know, it's not it's not glamorous, but the the tournament's a great tournament. You know, so um, but we'll we'll travel wherever. Honestly, we'll, we don't have any events in California, um, and we don't have any events like on the far east coast, like in the Carolinas or anything. Um, but we'll kind of just like we'll be back in Florida again in February, um, at the end of February after Puerto Rico. So we kind of go go wherever. Bit different to going to Greenville and Lemoy, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, when you think about what you're doing now and the the, the responsibility you've got, and the the I suppose the quality of player that you're working with and, and thinking about recruiting, um, is it something you could ever ever have imagined as a as a young player here in Guernsey? No, not at all. I honestly, it's funny. I I do get these moments where I look back sometimes. Like I'm so like tunnel vision, and I'm just go 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 all the time that. Sometimes when I do sit and think about it, like I never, ever would have pictured, honestly, myself even being a college coach. Like I admired my coach so much in college that she was like, like up here for me. And, and I just, I always thought I want to be like her, but I never thought I could be like her, if that makes sense. Um, because she just was such a important person in my life. I mean, she really changed me as a person. I was this goofy um, troublemaker from Guernsey at 17 showing up in San Antonio you know I didn't I didn't come to the U.S. for school I came here to play golf and I didn't realize that I had to do the school part too so I learned <laughs> that the hard way and she really put like her foot down and and you know I I kind of had it dangling over my head a few times you know Amy this is this is not a joke like if you're not getting the grades then you're not going to play and was what do you mean I'm not going to play? I mean, you can't, can't go to a tournament without me, you know, being, you know, being the goofy kid that I was. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can. You want to bet? Watch this. And she she tried a few times and I got my act together. And um, but I never I never, ever would have pictured me kind of being in this position, you know, being that person for these players now. You know, they come to me about anything. And there's things that I know about some of my players that a lot of coaches don't know about their players it's just the relationship I want to have with them and the my relationship with my coach was so pivotal in my life that um I, I probably wouldn't wouldn't be in this position if I wasn't coached by her um she really made me see things in a in a different light and and a lot of the way that I am with my players and how I do things is is mimics totally what she was like she's she's very um she was very structured and very organized and very punctual. Um, and, and I'm like that with my players. Like if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late and, and they get, they get in trouble for it. And it's, you know, just the way that I was kind of conditioned by her and it's, it's made me a certain way that um, now I'm that person for these players. It's, it's kind of wild. I don't think about it too, too often. Cause if I, you know, when I'm driving the van, 
um, you know, six hours back to campus or something, you know, if I ever, if it dawns on me, wow, I'm, I'm carrying, you know, five daughters and five sisters, you know, it, it's, it's a huge responsibility, you know, um, and, you know, these parents trust me the way that my parents trusted my coach, you know, to look after them and to be that person, you know, that kind of figure away from home that can kind of keep their, their kid in line and keep them accountable. And, um, it's, uh, it's it, a 15 year old me, uh, would just, wouldn't believe you if you would have said 12, 13 years later that I'd be in this position for sure. And the players you're working with at Cincinnati and, and looking at, yeah. I, I mean, are these players that have, have um, got ambitions to be, be professionals, to be tour players? Some of them do. Um, not all of them. I mean, that that's kind of, when I recruit, I want players that, that want to play past college. Um, you know, I the program, you know, has kind of struggled over the last five eight years or so and so kind of now when I'm recruiting that's like a big part of that's what I was doing at my old school I want to be around players that this is just kind of a stepping stone for them um you know before kind of playing golf for money um I have a couple that that want to and and you know we're kind of working towards getting them in a position where you know they can they can thrive um but that definitely in my recruiting it's it's that's a big part of kind of how I talk to these kids and, and finding these players that, that don't just want to come here just to get a degree. Um, I want to be around players that this is like their livelihood, you know, cause you get, you get different, you get something totally different out of them. Um, you know, than the expectations that I have as a coach, you know, I pour everything I have into this. And so I want to be around players that do the same thing and aren't just getting, you know, their, their four year, their college degree, you know, yeah, I was going to say. Um, obviously, you you've taken that that route to get to America. I, I, I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of good young golfers in Guernsey at the moment. I mean, we've had I think three, well, four out of the islands men's eleven were juniors mm. this year. Um, is, is there any sort of sort of advice you'd give them if they were looking to perhaps go down the, the American college route? Yeah, go go somewhere where you will definitely play. You know, and I mean that in the sense of like, you know, coaches will approach them and, and you know, they'll look at ranking and, and you know, all think they want to go to a school that's ranked better or, or whatnot. Um, go where you will definitely play and you'll be in the lineup straight away because there's nothing worse than, you know, coming from somewhere like Guernsey that is such a tight-knit community and that is a small place and you move away from home and go to a school and then you don't make the lineup, you know, for the first year or maybe you make the lineup once um, in that first year. So you're staying home a lot and you're staying in the dorms and you're staying in a, you're in a different country, you know, you don't have family that you can hang out with and a lot of internationals and people like us, like we don't get cars right away when we move, you know, it's it normally we'll get a car, you know, second or third year. Um, and it's normally the Americans that will come with cars. And um, so it, it can be scary and it can be lonely. And and my biggest advice is don't, don't dwell on ranking, go where you really, really connect with the coach um, and that you'll make an impact right away and not, you know, not be in a, this huge roster of, 10 or 11 players and you know it'll be a fight to to get into the lineup every week 
Just um, talking about sort of Guernsey golf and, and sort of like your career and what have you. The funny thing is, we've just had our, our home island games. Obviously, I've, I've yeah. been to see you in Bermuda, in Jersey, yeah. winning island games gold. I mean, in some ways, I expected you to be in Guernsey to play. You know, going back a few <laughs> years, not this year. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but do you still sort of follow the local scene and and sort of did you keep track of what's happening in the island games this year as well? I do, I do, I definitely did, and I was rooting. I was rooting for from over here. I was in the middle of packing up my house when it was happening, um, and the time difference. It's hard, but I, uh, I definitely, I definitely did, and I sent, I sent some messages to some of the ladies that were competing, and um, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very unique feeling, you know, ha- with the Island Games finally being in Guernsey and me not you know, being around to play in it. And that's something that I've always wished for as a as a young golfer and as a as a young woman playing for Guernsey in Guernsey. Um but it was really cool to see and, you know, my parents were keeping me in the loop with how how hectic it was, you know, in town and all the atmosphere. And, you know, I've never seen Guernsey like that. I mean, I was it was what, two thousand and three, the last time it was in Guernsey. Yeah. Right. And I, I barely remember it. I mean, I, I think I remember the opening ceremony just a little bit, but um, I, I barely remember it. So it was really cool to see pictures, you know, to see Guernsey like that, you know, with all the all the island games that I've been to, you know, and, and kind of being in that opening ceremony, being in the closing ceremony, seeing everyone out there watching and supporting their their islands and their teams and um, it was really cool to see the pictures, you know, from afar. I wish I could have been there. I really, I really do. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard for me to, you know, separate like my job and I'm tunnel vision and I'm so busy all the time um, to then really be there and, and watch. I would have loved to have, if I didn't play, that's fine. I mean, I, I'm, I'm much better. I've realized as I've gotten older, I'm a much better coach. And this will be hard for some people to believe, but I'm a much better coach than I was a player. Honestly, it it really, it really is. It, it really is true. So I would have loved to have been there to watch and support the girls and, um, you know, but it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to kind of see how Guernsey golf is kind of transforming and changing. And, you know, cause we had a, we had a dry spell for a while with juniors, you know, not coming through. And it's really cool to see that, um, you know, there's a couple on the men's and the women's side that there's there's juniors coming up and they're really, you know, holding their own and, and competing with with the experienced golfers in the islands. I'm not sure you'd have wanted to be on Lancrest on that final afternoon, blowing a hoolie and absolutely I know, I, did, I did see that. I did see that, yeah. <laughs> many, I've, I've been many of those days and I, you know, and it's funny now living in Ohio, it's grey outside and it's freezing. Like I'm wearing a base layer under this and, um, so I, I get all the, I look outside sometimes I'm like, wow, where am I? Am I in Guernsey or because <laughs> the weather is very similar up here, but yeah, I did see the pictures. It, it is very cool that I get to travel and, and see, you know, all these different courses, but everything does kind of revolve. It, it does revert back to Guernsey essentially. I mean, the, our Lancrest is, is one of my top top golf courses that I've ever been on there's nothing like it you know and even and even Lemoy at Jer- in Jersey is is one of my all-time favorites you know nothing nothing quite compares to you know 
the the memories that I've got, you know, on those golf courses. You know, when we go play now, it's like we're there for four days and that and that's it. And you know, we're there to do a job. There, that's not necessarily, um, you know, we're spending all these hours and all these memories. I mean, the reason why I am who I am um, is because of the Channel Islands and is because of those golf courses and the memories and the things that I learned out there. Um, so it, it is, it is cool that I get to travel, but everything does kind of revert back to, to Guernsey. Whenever we play kind of a linksy feel, um, golf course, I always think this, this reminds me of home, but nothing, nothing quite, quite is like that. I can't imagine any course in America being like Lancrest. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. There's a few that actually the one we just played at Kansas state, I'd been there with my old team and, um, it, it, it does remind me of Lancrest a little bit just because there's like fescue and high rough out there and it, it blows in kansas so you know my players are playing in 25 mile an hour winds which is right up my alley mm. i i love that whenever it was windy it just it was you were speaking my language <laughs> <laughs> the, the heat though the playing in 40 degrees heat is not for me <laughs> yeah. I, I, i'm just melting and no matter how many years i've been here you know, the heat and even living, like, even right before I left San Antonio, I mean, it was over 40 degrees almost every day for months. And it's just miserable. Little British me is just <laughs> I think you were in Spain, Gareth, weren't you, this summer during, like, the European yeah. heat wave? Yeah, playing. I, I went down to play five rounds in Malaga way, just, just as the heat wave, it was just sort of at the end of it. And I got about a 36 yeah. degree round, which was hot enough for me. That was plenty yeah. for one round. It's brutal. And even when you came and watched in, in Dallas, yeah, mm -hmm. like all those years ago mm -hmm. for SMU's tournament, I think, I can't remember, but I, I, there was one, there was one tournament that I played in college and it was at that golf course because we played that a few years in a row. And I can't remember if it was the one that you were at, but I got heat stroke. I wouldn't be surprised. It was hot when we I were I got there. heat stroke. It was 36 holes and I think I shot, it was something like I shot like 85 no 74 85 and i got heat stroke in the afternoon and i could not remember the last six holes and i and it was it was over 100 degrees fahrenheit and i just remember my coach i was shivering and my coach like put her jacket over me and was like pouring you know lukewarm water down my back because i was pale and it was you know 40 degrees celsius um, it's brutal. I, oh, God. Nowhere to hide. Yeah. Nice course, that one was. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes a change, you know, being from Guernsey, but it gets to a point where I'm like, oh, this is too hot. Just sweating in places that you shouldn't be sweating in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 22 degrees is plenty enough for anyone, isn't it? Oh, perfect. That is like ideal temperature. Temperature. <laughs> I was, I was going to mention um, the almost the last round of the season by Mr. Ego over here, who just shot a 65. He did? <laughs> yeah. No no bogeys oh on his God. card either. He finished the season for Lang with the, the Lancrest President's Prize, a 65 gross, he, which is just... I don't know how he does it. He And he is who I learned my, like, competitiveness from, because mm. you, people that don't, know him in that light i mean he is probably i always say i'm the most competitive person that people come across but he beats me mm. he is so competitive and people don't really know that about him 
Um, and it's cool to watch him. You know, I make fun of him all the time. You know, you're you're getting older you're not <laughs> anymore. Um, he he gets all mouthy with me, but it's it's really neat to see that he, um, you know, he can he can still play that caliber of golf. You know, even for 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 all this time. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing this for a long, long time. You know, fifty years. Yeah, and um, and he he is he has kept up his his end of the 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 bandwagon for sure he he can he can definitely play golf and it's cool to it's cool to watch he i've learned so much from him um and you know in, in his he's a man of of little words sometimes but his actions are if you really pay attention his actions are the real deal yeah well it's funny actually not that long ago somebody was asking me about sort of like my memories of reporting on golf in, in Guernsey. Mm. And I had I only, I said, I can only go back to a couple of specifics. And one of them was um, James Hamon against Jack Mitchell in the semi-final, which was played in about a force eight, which the ball striking, yeah. the ball striking was yeah. the best I think I've ever seen. Um, but the other one was um, your putt on the 36th green of your first Island oh. final, where you, you hold a birdie putt to, to keep the final going. You were one down playing yeah. against Kay Mapley, I think it was. Yeah. And you hold it from yeah. about 40 yards or 40 feet. And um, Bobby, I just remember Bobby was caddying for you that day. And he actually sort of had a quick glance at the line of the putt. And he knew it was in from about five feet off your, off your putter. It was just the most, yeah. probably the most memorable shot I've seen as a reporter at the Lancrest. That gives me goosebumps just thinking about it because that's a that's a memory that um, I'll never forget. That was it was one of those that like you couldn't you couldn't make it up. Mm. You know, like I'm one down. I'm I think I'm twelve. I think you just I think you turned. Th I think yeah. you started the week as a twelve year because your birthday's late May, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think, think okay, I think you just turned 13 during the week, I think. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and it's one of those like stories where, you know, when you say it, when you relive it for just a second, like it doesn't you can't make it up. Like it just I was one down going into 18 and I've missed the green. I was on the fringe mm. and that pin was kind of like towards the back kind of left side of the green and I was I missed it long left on the fringe and and I had to hold it I, and I knew I had to hold it you know to continue the match I wanted to win um and I remember like me and and there was this spot because whenever you know me and me and Bob would like whenever he would caddy for me he would always kind of point somewhere like halfway between the ball and the hole and it was like an apex point and that's kind of how I've always putted and so I, I learned that from him and I just remember him pointing at like this little tuft of grass that was on the fringe like two feet in front of my ball and that kind of led out to another little dark spot that was two feet right of the maybe a foot and a half right of the hole but you know 10 feet short of the hole and he just was saying if the ball rolls, rolls over that it's going to go in. And I just remember looking at this part like, yeah, I'm feeling it. And and it's funny because the week before then, I just got a new putter. And I was begging him to to buy this putter for me and I, that I can put it on his account. And he just, he just kept saying, he was like, I'll only get you this putter if you can promise me that you'll win the Island Championship. And, you know, 12 years old, I was like, yeah, 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 it's going to work. <laughs> I need this putter. I love it. I love it. Um, and I putted really well that week, actually. I remember, like, I just was holding putts from everywhere. 
Um, and that part on 18 was, was no different. And it just, you can't, you can't make it up. And I remember like not, I can't really remember hitting the putt, but I remember the noise on 18 green of, of a lot of people, um, yelling and poor Kay she is so lovely but I think there was a lot of people on the back of that green that wanted that putt to go in <laughs> um, just by the just by yeah. the sound of it so yeah it was a it was an unbelievable um it, it's one of my memories that I'll I'll never forget that and and honestly two days before beating Jan Chamberlain on 17 mm. that was a pretty good one that was a pretty good one. And she she's got, awesome. She her got her revenge the next year. She's the only one who's beaten you in the yeah, Ireland yeah, final. She did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. At the, the Grand Mall, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like those memories are seared in. They're, they're there to stay. Yeah, they are. And I and it's funny, now that I'm coaching, like I'll I'll tell a lot of my players, you know, certain stories from when I was younger and, and um, you know, just because I think sometimes they forget that I'm just like them. I've experienced the same things that they've experienced. I've been in college. I've been away from home. I've had those like crazy moments on the golf course. And um, it's really neat that when I can kind of tell them these stories, you know, it's, it's, it makes me look like I'm one of them, which I am. And I always say that, you know, I'm one of them and I just, you know, get paid to look after you basically, but I'm one of you. Um, but yeah, that, that, I have so many memories and a lot of them, honestly, are with, with Bob when I was younger, um, because that really shaped me, um, as a person to kind of gearing me up, you know, people, people that, that know him really well, they've, they've seen him in that light, but it's funny when you put me and him together and especially 13, 14 year old me, I mean, I was a troublemaker (laughs) he has always been kind of by the book does the right things you know keeps his down doesn't worry about anyone else and I was always you know the total opposite so it's funny that that him and I um you know got on such a great great combo yeah yeah we're we're so opposite we're so opposite and I always would joke you know like as I've gotten older um you know, with him, I'd steal all the oxygen in the room and he just would sit there and listen. Because <laughs> I would just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And when he would caddy for me, it was it was, it was was great because he would, I was a very, and Gareth, you've seen me play. I mean, I was a, I could, I could get angry out on the golf course. There was, I could, I could It, it seems have to be a, a Guernsey trait that, I think. <laughs> a lot of Guernsey oh, players and do. I don't know what it is. Yeah, and it's like, and you know, and, and my coach got me out of that really quickly. She had two years of me being that way. Um, and after after I, I snapped my second club in college, she, and I hid it from her. I totally, like, I got my teammate to drive me to a club maker. Um, I gave him a dozen golf balls of UTSA, a UTSA dozen golf balls and, he really helped me out and I hid it from my coach for months because I knew she was going to eat me alive about it. But, um, you know, she really got me out of that quickly. And it, it's funny. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, you know, you've got a lot of eyes on you in Guernsey, you know, whenever you play. Like, I think I always felt that like, you know, a lot of people were like watching my scores or would come out to watch me play that I had this like expectation of I've got to play well. And the second I wouldn't, 
I would internally freak out about it, you know, because I would always think like all these people have come out to watch me play and I'm doing this right now. I can't even find the planet, you know, off the tee or I can't find a green or whatever. And I think that's what would make me make me upset and make me, you know, kind of get like that on the golf course, like not playing well in front of people because I always like to show off and um it always like I never I never worried about, you know, a lot of people coming out to watch whether it was Island Games or Channel Island Final. Like I, I love that because I always wanted to show off in front of people. But um I think that's what did it for me. It's like playing badly in front of people. Like I thought I had this kind of expectation to uphold, you know, everyone thought highly of me and I had to play well all the time. And I was a human being and a young player and, and a young kid at the end of the day that I was not going to play well all the time and I just expected to and I think that's where I got this from but if you look at if you look at Bob like he's not like that at all he's the total opposite and he would let me have it too whenever I would have my my tantrums and you know maybe people don't don't know that but he would let me have it you know and 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 when he would get upset with me for acting a certain way that's when I would click it was you know if my parents saw me be a certain way and they didn't watch me play that much golf but um honestly if it was anyone else that would you know whether it was ladies from the club that would you know tell me that I couldn't act the way that I wanted to act it was you know I would just it would go right over my head you know but as soon as he would get upset with me it was like oh I'm in trouble I'm in big trouble <laughs> like I said he's not a man of many words yeah. so when when it, when it does come out it's like oh okay I really gotta stop doing that yeah. <laughs> and, and it was interesting uh, at the start of the conversation to hear you talk about the sort of role you want to play as a coach with your players you know the the the, the um the relationship you want to have with them in terms of the sport itself have you got a coaching kind of philosophy what what's what how would you describe yourself as a, as a golf coach i would describe myself as um firm but fair and that's very general, but like uh, just a couple of examples. Like I think my and my players will joke about it. They're like, you know, one second Amy's laughing and joking, and we're having a good time, and she's you know being my friend. And then the next second, I'm like, okay, stop goofing around. Let's let's get to work, you know. And it's like, but I mean, I'm 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 not a very I don't baby them at all. Um, I kind I want them, you know, because this is a 18 to 22 years old is a very pivotal part of a young person's life. They learn a lot about themselves. They're away from home for the first time. A lot of them, um, some of them really far from home, especially internationals. And so they've got to learn things sometimes the hard way. And, you know, I lay it out for them. We have, you know, the RT meeting at the beginning of the year, and these are my expectations and, um, you know, and it's it's you're your 18 and I'm treating you like you're 18, you know. And we are going to make mistakes and there's certain mistakes that, you know, you get a slap on the wrist for and I make mistakes all the time. I'm human, but there's some mistakes that, you know, sometimes we can't take back and, and it's got to, I have a lot of hard conversations and, um, you know, because I want, I want that trust, but I also want them to know that um, you only have four years. And once these four years are up, I don't want them to ever experience, you know, even just an ounce of what I've experienced in the sense of there's, there's about a year of my college 
career that I would love to go back and redo because I wasn't present and I was, I was, you know, wanting, I was missing home a lot. And I, you know, and, and a lot of people don't know that about me. There was, you know, it was my second year and I was, you know, my priorities were not where they should have been. And I, I just was being an idiot and, and was making bad decisions. And I just was losing faith in my golf and my ability. And I just was like, you know what, I just want to go home. And, and my coaches, honestly, they, I remember like what my, my head coach sat me down and we were at practice and I told her, I said, Hey, by the way, my mom's booking my flight. I'm leaving I'm going and I'm not coming back. Like I can't do this anymore. This is hard. This is too hard. It's not what I signed up for. Um, and she was like, okay. She's like, I can't, I can't keep you here. I mean, I don't, I don't want you to stay here out of your own will, like go back and, you know, and she, I remember she asked me, she's like, what are you going to do in Guernsey? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm just going home. <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet, but I'm going home. And, and initially I was like, well, why are you not fighting for me to stay? Like, you're not, and, and she kind of was like, okay, you want to go you go. And then that kind of changed it for me. Like I worked my whole life to be here. Um, I need to figure this out. And so I, I want to be that person for my players, but at the end of the day, like, I don't want any of them to be here and be miserable. You know, this is not what it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be miserable. It's a hard routine and it's a hard life. Um, you know, the demands of college, I mean, they're up from five o'clock in the morning and they they go to bed at 11 and they do it all again. And it's every day it's full on and we get, they get one day off a week. I give them Sundays off and, and it's, and those Sundays go like this, you know, and then it's Monday again and we, we gotta, we gotta restart. And, um, you know, it's, I would say my coaching style is that's the best way to describe it is firm, but fair. Like I'll do anything for you, but when you make a mistake or you make a big one, I'm going to keep you accountable for it. I'm not going to just brush it off. You know, Oh, you're, you're a kid, you're learning. It's like, no, you're, you're living on your own now. You're a, you're an adult, you know, and um, I, you're going to be treated like, you know, and you're going to treat me with respect. And I'm going to treat you with respect. It kind of works both ways, but um, firm, but fair seems very vague, but um, <laughs> I'll explain it as best as I, I can. I think you've explained it very well. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. It's, you know, we, we obviously track a lot of Guernsey sports people, don't we? And we, we speak to, to, to people um, in lots of different sports who are, doing so well uh, outside of the island but we don't often speak to people who've gone off and, and become very successful coaches uh you know it, it doesn't seem to be a thing that happens very often in Guernsey uh, in Guernsey sport so um yeah it, it's fantastic to see what you're doing Amy I appreciate it Tony I appreciate you both thank you it's uh it I'll always remember where I come from you know that's kind of the 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 basis of it it's uh it's been a fun fun ride and i'm excited to see what what happens next who knows who knows what i'm going to be doing and where <laughs> i'm going to end up um in the next couple of years but it's been uh it's been a journey for sure and i never would have pictured it well, one day i want to come out and actually play against you out in america somewhere right let's do it <laughs> <laughs> i'll make sure i hit some golf balls a couple of days before we play because it, it i'm you it is you've seen me play when I actually would practice all the time it is not pretty and but the worst part about it is that I still think that I can go out there and shoot lights out like I used to that's my problem at the moment like I'm around it so much that I think oh yeah I can just 
I can just hit this wedge close, but there's some things that get rusty over time and um and it's and honestly it's three footers. The whole scene's like it's about this. <laughs> you don't when you don't hit a three footer for six months. So but yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let me know. Let me know when make you it happen. You I'll bring a camera. <laughs> Please do. That we can make we can make something out of it. Please do. Awesome. Well, um best of luck with the rest of the year and um yeah, it's been Appreciate great to chat and hopefully uh, yeah, we'll catch you soon. Cheers. Yeah, Amy. we'll see you cool. soon. Thank you both. Have a good one. Amy Pont there speaking to Gareth and I. Uh, yeah, fantastic to catch up with her. And um, yeah, just keep up the good work, Amy, because uh, it sounds like she's uh, doing so well. Yeah, she just, she, I mean, obviously I've sort of known her since she was 13 years old when she first won the Ireland title. And she just hasn't really changed in terms of her personality. She's always been just a really nice, um, forthcoming individual. You know, there's no ego about Amy, but you know that she is, as she sort of rightly says, she's a very competitive individual. She always wanted to do so well on the golf course, but um, she was always very approachable. She was the first to have a have a smile and a chat with you, wherever you were. You know, she's she's a history maker in Guernsey golf, and um, but she doesn't come across as someone who's who's vain at all, and it's just lovely to see her be doing so well across in America. Yeah, clearly spreading a bit of that Lancrest Links attitude around Ohio and uh, and further afield. So, uh, yeah, good to see uh, the Guernsey influence uh, strong over there. Um, brilliant stuff. Uh, quick word actually on um, one of our sort of current crop of young talented golfers, um, Jaden Tutnot, um, who's done very well. It was in the paper over the weekend, and we'll be off following an Ollie. Chatham's footsteps. What a season he's had, really, isn't it? I mean, Jaden's been in the paper pretty much most weeks for, <laughs> for achieving something in golf. I mean, he went for half term, he went back to uh, the UK for three different events, I think. His last couple of uh, junior opens of the season, and he won another one of those. Um, it's just an amazing CV just for this summer. And then he f- he's finished his sort of British summer by earning a spot at the Junior European Open in uh, Spain. Um, yeah, like you say, following in Ollie Chatham's footsteps. And um, yeah, this is just a great, another great achievement for Jaden, who's the reigning CI Junior champion. And it's just, it, it almost doesn't come as a surprise when, whenever he sort of like um, reveals what he's doing next, you just imagine he's going to be successful at it because he's just had such a phenomenal year. Yeah, we're following closely in that competition. Um, I'll have a quick look at what's going on this week and this weekend. Um, we spoke about it on last week's pod. Um, Guernsey's netballers over in the Isle of Man. Um, they get underway as we record this on Tuesday, late afternoon. They get underway quite soon against um, the hosts in that inaugural Island Invitational netball games. Um, plenty more. Um, to follow across the week as well. I think they're live streaming it on the Isle of Man Facebook page. So, and I'm, I'm sure they'll share it on the uh, Guernsey Netball um, page. So uh, keep an eye on that. Um, here, a quite big afternoon at Beaux-Azur on Saturday, which is uh, where we spent a fair bit of time during the Island Games week in the sweltering <laughs> kind of sauna of the Beaux-Azur Dome. Um, I'm sure it won't be quite that hot this time, but hopefully there'll be a few people watching um, the first Saturday games of the season. Yeah, they're looking to build on the momentum that was gained at the, the Beaux-Azur Dome back in July was just fantastic atmosphere that was created throughout the Island Games and um, it was great to see basketball sort of so popular on, on that week and yeah this uh, it's going to be the first of their super Saturdays of the of the domestic season with um, Oracle Diamonds against Praxis Pumas in the women's um, division at three o'clock quickly followed by Skipton against Le Mans and the two sort of big guns in, in the men's division one going head to head at uh, half past four so yeah I'm looking looking forward to that um, as a as a spectacle and hopefully yeah like you say Tony uh, have a good crowd down there yeah Guernsey Press will be there covering that so keep an eye out uh, in the paper and online uh, over the weekend anything else to watch out for 
Well, the um, the postponed uh, cross country league starts on Saturday. It was uh, it was just delayed a week because of the uh, storm, obviously last weekend. Uh, the Doyle Loop will be the first one for that FMB series. You're going to be on the start line for that. Now, unfortunately, I'll, I've got other commitments. You know, usually I'd try and make it to something like that <laughs> to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, it'll, it'll also be a busy weekend down at uh, Footslane. What with that. Uh, uh, over 35s women's hockey on Sunday. That's following on from um, GFC on on Saturday afternoon. They host Corinthian Casuals, and uh, it's also, of course, the Under 21 Marathi on Sunday. So it's a very busy weekend for us. Yeah, we'll be across all of that. Uh, I'll be out with the camera as well. So uh, yeah, keep it out on our social channels and on the Games Press website um, next week for highlights and reaction um, from some of the sport that's going on over the weekend. Quick word as well uh, about GFC women who go to Bognor Regis Town on Wednesday night in that rearranged cup game, their second ever match. Um, so best of luck to them. Um, yeah, we'll be back on Monday with another Guernsey Press football podcast. We'll leave it there for now, though. Uh, thanks to Upgrade Fitness again for their support. And cheers, Gareth. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.